Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Wow, you're clapping for me. I feel like I'm a little in the dark over here. There I am. Am I right now? Well, um, today uh, we're going to continue in our series, The Last Call. We're looking at uh, the end times, the last days. And curious, have you enjoyed, learned some things during this series so far? Amen. <laughs> so um, it's a subject that we touch on probably, I don't know, every eight years. I think that was eight years the last time I taught a series on this. And it is always interesting. And, um, <clears throat> and so... We're going to talk about the other beast today. Now, let me just tell you, let me preface, let me give you things first. Um, you know, the world, I think, um, as I look around and you look around, and not just in America, but all over the world, uh, you see the times that we're in. Don't you kind of feel like the world is looking for another Moses to come along? Someone with all the answers, someone who's a deliverer, somebody who can um, lead the people back into... Um, um, I don't know, some kind of place where things are better. And uh, I think the world is being set up. I mean, the whole world is being set up for that kind of a person to come along. We know it will be the Antichrist. We know this man, as we've taught before, and we're going to teach more on him in, as we progress on in this series, he will have answers and he will be able to solve situations for a time. But not for a long time, because he's got an agenda. Now today, an Antichrist, by the way, is in Scripture is called the Beast. That's his main name that we see in Revelation 13. Now we're going to cover the second half of Revelation 13 today, but we're going to look at the other beast. There is another beast. And just like, um, for those of us who watch these things, just like Captain America has Bucky, Batman has Robin, Green Hornet had... Thank you, Cato. One person knows that. All right. Okay, I'll try and see if everybody knows. The skipper has? Okay, God bless you. Thank you. Okay. So now we're on the same page. And so the Antichrist is going to have a sidekick also. The other beast. We know him as the false prophet. And uh, he is a false prophet. Now, <clears throat> the reasoning behind that, remember I, I, I talked when we looked at Antichrist on the white horse in Revelation chapter 6. We started to show you, and we'll continue to show you, that the Antichrist, the devil, is a copycat. And so why is there a false prophet? He's a false religious leader. He will govern the one world religion during the tribulation period. Because if you think about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, correct? So we call that the Trinity. Well, so will Satan. In Revelation, we see the dragon, who is Satan. We see his son, who's the Antichrist. And we see the other beast was the false prophet. He's the anti-Holy Spirit. It's called, we call it the unholy trinity. And now you're going to see the first um, appearance of the third part of that unholy trinity. Now, he is a false prophet. And I want to share um, a verse first so you can see what I'm talking about. Then I want to talk about false prophets for a little bit. Then we'll get into it. So in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, it says, Then I saw another beast, and this is the other beast coming up out of the earth 
Now, Antichrist came up out of the sea. This one comes up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a, say the word, like a what? Like a lamb, yeah. And he spoke as a dragon. So there's a contrast there. It's a, there's opposites. Because he, he looks like a lamb. Jesus was the lamb of God. Takes away the sins of the world. So he's going to look like he's a religious leader on the up and up. But what comes out of his mouth is going to be demonic words. It's going to be dragon. It's going to be uh, motivated by Satan. So he will be a false prophet, exactly like we call him. Let me talk to you a little bit about false prophets in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1, 2, and 3. Let me just quickly, just quickly show you this so you get a little bit of understanding of what to watch for in a false prophet. It says, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder. In other words, they're doing some pretty spectacular stuff. And the sign or the wonder comes true, concerning which he spoke to you, saying, now here's a key, let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, etc., etc., so if somebody comes along and they're, 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 they're saying they're from God and they're performing signs and wonders and they're per- stating things that are coming true, you know, that's not the telltale sign that they are from Yahweh God. The telltale sign is if they do those things and, they, and, which, and then which way do they point you? Do they point you in worship to Jesus or do they point you in worship another direction? Because that's the thing I always look for because that verse, do they point me to worship Jesus or are they kind of drifting me off another direction to worship something else? That's a telltale sign right right there. What will they have you worship? Not are they performing all kinds of signs and wonders. The false prophet that we're going to read about, he he is going to do some amazing things during the tribulation period. But he's going to, as it says, he spoke as a dragon. He's going to lead people in false worship, as we're going to see today, to Satan and to the Antichrist. He is a false prophet. Now hold the thought, and let's read our key verse for the series. And I know you have your masks on. And uh, <clears throat> Romans eleven twenty-five and 26. Would you just read it through your mask? Here we go. One, two, three, four. Want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that in your own estimation it's happened to Israel until the Gentiles has come in and so all Israel will be saved and we tell you every week that um, that uh, there will become there will be a moment in our current church age this church age will come to an end there will be an ending to this and the end is the rapture when the last person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, wherever they are, whoever they are, only God knows. And when that happens, the church is raptured. And then you have the last seven years on earth, which for those of you deeper Bible students, the last seven years of the tribulation period, that's the last week of Daniel's 70 weeks of years of prophecy, as spoken of in, um, in Daniel chapter 9. This is a fulfillment of that. There's one week of years left, and that's the seven-year tribulation period. 483 years have already happened. Now, our tagline 
is this. It's a call you don't want to miss. One, two, three. So you don't want to miss these things. If it happens in my lifetime, my kids' lifetimes, my grandkids' lifetimes, you know, you don't want to miss this thing. And either way, you do not want to die without putting your faith in Jesus Christ because eternity is a long time. It never ends. It never ends. So here we go. We're going to talk about the false prophet today. I'm going to give you four things about him. Um, <clears throat> and chapter 13 is one of those uh, really interesting chapters through and through. But the first thing about the false prophet, he will do the same thing as we saw last week, and that is he leads people to worship the Antichrist. And we saw the Antichrist can lead people to worship the dragon, who's Satan himself. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 12, it says this. He exercises all the authority of the first beast. The first beast is the Antichrist in his presence. So when they're together, now the false prophet is exercising authority. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it. Now notice the people who are on earth at that time are called the earth dwellers, a distinction between those who have been raptured or now in, in the heavenly places. And he makes the, uh, makes the earth and those who dwell in it worship the first beast, that's the Antichrist, whose fatal wound was healed. Remember we said last time the Antichrist will suffer an attack upon his life, assassination attempt, he will seemingly die and come back to life, but he will have a right arm that won't work and a right eye that's gouged out. And anybody remember that? Say amen. Okay, so he, had, he fakes this death. And I, I kind of lean towards that myself. I can't prove it. But he comes back to life. And they use that to get people now to worship the beast. Now, I told you last time that, you know, worship, uh, Satan's always wanted worship. In Isaiah 14, we read it last week that you see what Satan, when he was Lucifer, star of the morning, remember that term, star of the morning, remember that? Hallel, that's why he hates the word hallelujah. His name was Hallel. Um, so he's always desired worship. And so you see, as he's maneuvering here, his last big attempt is to get the earth dwellers to worship him. But let's be honest about it all. Let me take it a step further this week, and that's this. <clears throat> Don't humans love to be worshipped? Say yeah. yeah. They just do. I mean, it's part of the fall of mankind. It, it's, you see, Satan is the god of this world, and um, he, is, he tries to get us, deceive us into thinking we, we like worship. And if you think that's not true, I'll give you one example of that. How many people check repeatedly their Facebook or Instagram pages to see how many likes they get? Because really what they're looking at is, see, how many people are following me? How many people like me? How many? See, it's all about themselves. And I'm not against Facebook. I'm not against Instagram. I'm not against any of that. It's like a car. You can use it for right or you can use it for wrong. Amen? It's just how you use it. But people like to be worshipped. That's one little way that, you know, people might be looking to worship themselves. And they don't even possibly even realize it. But, you know, we also know that people like to worship people. Do they not? I mean, look at, I mean, people follow certain people and they, they look at, especially people on TV or stars, people worship these people. And guys, they're just people with a certain gift and you have a certain gift. They're no better than you. They're, they're, no, they're not less than you or I. We're all the same with certain giftings. But we have to watch out for things like that. Any, any amens on that one? So we see here that our current culture uh, loves to worship because it's an inherent thing. We are designed to worship God. So, but the second thing is this. This false prophet, he performs deceiving signs. 
Now, this is an interesting thing that he performs these deceiving signs. Look at verse 13 and 14 up on the screen here. It says, he performs great signs. Now, I like that, or I should say, it's interesting that he performs signs. Because Jesus in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, another name for that, they call it the book of the seven signs. And Jesus performed signs so that people would recognize who he was. So now you see in verse 13, he performs signs. So that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to earth in the presence of men. That's pretty impressive, is it not? Verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth, there's the earth dwellers again, because of the signs which was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast. Now, there's a catch on here. He says, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast. Well, that's interesting. Who had the, the wound of a sword and has come to life. Now it's all intertwining together. Now, we'll get to verse 14 in point three, but let me just say this right now about performing deceiving signs. This false prophet, one of the things he's going to do in the tribulation period is he's going to call fire down from heaven. Now, he's duplicating something to authenticate himself and the Antichrist. Now, the question is, why fire? Why does he call fire down from heaven? What's so important about that? Let me tell you why that's important. Because he's copying somebody. There's an Old Testament prophet that called fire down from heaven. Do you remember who that was? It was Elijah. You're right. In a couple weeks, we will talk about Moses and Elijah who will return to planet Earth in the tribulation period. Yeah, they will. They are coming back. Elijah called fire down from heaven, and Elijah will be walking planet Earth at this time. And people will know that Elijah called fire down from heaven. And we'll see in a couple weeks, Moses and Elijah are doing all kinds of things. So the false prophet, because he sees these things and he knows these things, and that's a true prophet, Elijah is, who called fire down from heaven. He's going to call fire down from heaven also to try to show that he can do everything that that true prophet can do. The same way that when Moses laid his staff down, remember before Pharaoh... And the magicians of Pharaoh, they laid the staffs down they, and they all became snakes. Remember that one right there? They're try, he's trying to copycat, duplicate to authenticate himself so he can act like he is a true prophet of God, but he is not. So it's going to be some wild, weird stuff as we are gone. Now, let's get crazy now. Point three, here it is. The false prophet causes a created image to speak. Verse 14 and 15. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now it's getting 
dicey. Now, now at this moment, it's going to get crazy. Now, let me, let me, let me camp here just for a, a, a longer period of time. John the Revelator, who wrote this revelation, he wrote it 2,000 years ago, thereabouts. Uh, he was given the vision. He is exiled on an island in the Mediterranean, an island called Patmos. And that's where he receives the revelation. And so you have to think about a man 2,000 years ago getting this vision of something way in the future. We're already 2,000 years later. So he's at least seen events 2,000 years into the future is what he's seen. And he's trying to describe what he sees. And, and he's describing that the, this false prophet is going to get people, the earth dwellers, now that they've bought into the Antichrist, this is one of the things they're going to do now to get, it, to get people to worship. They're going to create an image, a likeness of the Antichrist. And then this false prophet is going to cause this, these images to speak. Now that's crazy, isn't it? But as you look to the future and look in our day, so here's my guesses, and, and these are just guesses. Let me give you a few guesses. <clears throat> I, I don't know if they're actually physical statues that are going to be placed in places, cities. I, I don't know, maybe. I don't know if it's you and I, if John saw us, not us, we're gone, but saw people looking at, and he knows what the, the Antichrist looks like, but maybe he saw television screens, maybe he saw people on cell phones, tablets, and he saw that image, I, I don't know, because John's trying to describe what he sees. We know that's a high possibility now in our day and age, um, so I don't know if it's that, e either one of those, but let me give you one more possibility I, I saw a documentary on this a couple years ago and it dawned on me yesterday morning I, it just popped in my head I think it was the spirit of God I'm not saying this is what it is but it's just interesting and I'm going to give you that put the image up on the screen please now the one on the left is the real person the one on the right is called it's the humanoid the guy on the left is the inventor and he created this humanoid in his own likeness his own image that, that humanoid, that robot person, that thing talks. It's got actuators in its face, so it gives facial expressions. And it really, really almost looks like it's a human, does it not? And they're working more and more in these things in our day and age. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's almost a perfect likeness of the original, of the image maker himself, the man on the left. You could take it off the screen now. Now, I don't know if that's going to be it. But they are developing these things and they are working on this. And maybe there will be images like that around the world that will talk and will command that people bow down and worship. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I just do know that people will be commanded to make these images, replicas of or if it's on TV, I don't know what it is, but you will worship that person or, or that image or you will die. Let me give you three things now, uh, three bullet points about this. The first one is this. The second beast, the false prophet, is copying God's creative power. <clears throat> now, I want you to think. 
He's copying God's creative power. Didn't God already create an image and give it the ability to speak? Didn't he? Say yes. It's called you. You are created in God's image. God forms Adam from the dust of the ground. That's the natural elements that God created. And people try to tell you that you and I are just natural, there's no God, and that we are just one of the animals. Sorry, that's not so. Because then God, once he forms Adam's body, then God breathes into him. And now he gives him a life-giving spirit. So he elevates him above the animals. You and I are the highest created being. God made image. You're creating the image of God. Listen to me if you're a young person, especially because you are so susceptible to this. Took me a lot of years of my life to get over my insecurities. But listen closely. When Satan goes after Adam and Eve and he gets them to sin, what's the first thing Adam and Eve do right after they sin? They get the fig leaves, right? And they cover up. Think of what they just did. They just, Satan, direct, indirectly, directly, got them to cover up and create a new or different image of themselves. Any amens on that? Now they're covering up who they really are. Now they're insecure about who they really are. Now what God created wasn't good enough. And now they've got a new image. Now later on this year when I do a series that I think I'm going to call The Reset, I'm going to attack all these issues here. But listen, especially young people or some of us who still carry so much insecurities in our life because whatever happened to us, I know, I, I understand it. I grew up in the alcoholics home. I grew up very insecure. But I had that face on like I wasn't, but I was very insecure. It took years and years to, to work on these things to get to a place where I wasn't worried about what everyone thought about me. Can you imagine being a pastor and worrying about what everybody thinks about you? That's crazy, isn't it? I had to work. I had to, get, I had to get rid of these things. Now, see, people are going to attack your image. Let me talk to young people. They're going to attack your image, whether on social media, in school, in class, and you're going to want to put on certain fig leaves to try to fit into whatever the images are. You've got to, you, you need to develop, and this is the only, only thing, you need to develop your personal relationship with God. He's the one that gives you your security so that you look in the mirror and you're okay with how you are and who you are. That you're okay with how God made you. That you're fine with, with, with what you're doing. That you enjoy your life and you don't have to measure up to anyone else because God made you. You don't have to put on any fig leaves. See, Satan is always trying to copy God's creative power, but he distorts it to the point that we may not even like ourselves or parts of our life. Am I making sense to anyone? You got to be careful with stuff like that. Only God can tell you who you are. Can I tell you something crazy about that image of those two guys? You know what that man said in a video, the inventor of his twin there? He said, this will help us find out what it really means to be human. Listen, listen. And maybe you've never thought about this before. The world doesn't know what it means to be human anymore. Have you thought about that? I've thought about that a lot. They don't know what it means to be human. All you have to do is go back to Genesis 
and I'll show you what it means to be human when I do the reset series. They don't know. People don't even know what they are anymore. Am I right? They're so confusing the culture now. They're redefining the symbols and the terms that people don't even know what they are. And now at birth, you're assigned your whatever at birth. And so they're distorting the image. They're, they're, they're taking it to these far extremes. And they think they're the ones coming up with the idea. No, it's not. It's Satan coming up with the idea. It's the deception. It's the lie. I got to back off because I'm going to preach that series down the road right now. And I got to stop. Okay. So the second bullet point is this. Satan's tactics do not change. Think about it. They create an image and he gives life to the image to speak. Hasn't Satan done that before through a serpent? God creates all the animals. Satan comes along and gives that serpent the ability to speak. Satan's done it before. He's going to do it again. Any amens? He's going to do it, he's going to do it again. The third bullet point is this. Worship the image or, or you die. It's just that simple or you die. Do you know, and this is a repetitive, historical, demonic thing. When Christians, the early church in the Roman Empire, because it was very oppressive to, for them, when the, every year in the Roman Empire, you would have to burn a pinch of incense to a statue of Caesar, and you would have to say, uh, Caesar is curias, meaning Caesar is Lord. The Christian couldn't do that. The Christian would say, Christos is curias, Christ is Lord. And because they wouldn't do that, and Caesar demanded it, and the Roman Empire demanded it because they looked at Caesar as God, and the Christian wouldn't do that. That's why the Christian was persecuted, and many of them were killed. Many of them were killed. And so now you, you've seen this throughout history. Satan comes up with nothing new. And we're moving to this place, and in the tribulation period, this Antichrist and this beast, they will create images and it's to the earth dwellers, and they say, if you don't worship this thing, you will die. It's just that simple. He's going to start off real good. Remember the false prophet? He looks like a lamb. Remember that? He looks like a really good religious leader, and they're going to move toward a one-world religion, but then he speaks as a dragon, and then he's going to take people down. Now, it gets, and here's how they're going to track, and how they're going to know who's for the Antichrist, and who isn't, and that's number four. He marks people as a pledge of allegiance to the Antichrist. I have, um, let me back up. Let me read the verses first, sorry. Verse 16, 17, 18. And he causes, notice it's not a choice. You don't have an option. He causes all the small and the great. No one escapes and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on the right hand or on their forehead and he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark either the name of the beast or the number of his name here is wisdom let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for the number is that of a man and his number is 666 that's right now this is one of those things that people love to talk about this mark of the beast is 666 now 
So let me give you basics. Um, first off, the word mark. He will mark people. Let me tell you what that word, the Greek word means. It means a brand, a seal, a stamp, the idea of like branding a horse. Now, when you think of it that way, you think of it more like a tattoo, kind of a branding on a body. Now, let me say everything I'm going to say, because some of your minds are working against me right now when I said that. In verse 16, it says we will put the mark on people, not in people. It says on. John saw it on people. <clears throat> so it seems to me, and, and you could sp speculate other ways, it's no problem. Either way, it's coming. That people during the tribulation period, they will be forced to take a mark, a brand, tattoo, whatever it is, mark, right hand or forehead to identify with the marks, uh, the wounds of the Antichrist, they'll take that upon their forehead or right hand. Now, where does he get this idea from? Well, all you have to do is go back in Ezekiel and read about that or jump back to Revelation chapter 7 and you find another group of people walking the earth for God, evangelizing the world, and they are the 144,000 Jewish evangelist men. They're walking around for God. They cannot be hurt by the Antichrist because they're sealed by God on their forehead. And so maybe the Antichrist now, he sees this, the devil sees this, and we got to say, okay, we're going to know who's, who belongs to me and who doesn't belong to me. <clears throat> so he's going to mark them with a 666. Let me just say this. You can speculate to the end of time what the meaning of 666 is. They have added up the numerical numbers, everything, the gematria on that, to come out with this person, this person, this person, this person. <laughs> and every time they're just wrong. And I'm not going to speculate. Because every time we always find people, oh, I think it's so-and-so, you have no clue who it is. And if you think it's someone in America, you're, you're way off base. This guy's rising up through Europe. He's not rising up in America. America probably won't be a power anymore. It's high possibility economically we've collapsed at that time. At the rate we're going, the debt we're into, it's high possibility, my friends. So be very wise in what you do. 666. Let me give you the simple version of it. It's three sixes. Three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three is the number of God. They are sixes, six. Man was created on the sixth day. So man and God. So 666, the simplest way to say it is, he's a God-man. He wants to be like Jesus Christ. He wants to look, act, feel, touch, taste, smell like a Messiah, Jesus Christ. He's going to rep represent himself as a God-man. That's what, basically, that's a simple way of looking at that. Now, let me, let me dig deeper into this idea here. Because here's a question that Christians ask me, and I get this on Messenger, and I, I'm like, Christian, listen. They'll see, you know, people getting a chip now in their bodies, and they're, and they're all afraid that it's going to happen. Look, look, let me put it to you this way. Somebody asks, can I mistakenly take the mark? No. You won't be here. If you're a follower of Christ, you, got, you have nothing to worry about. 
when the Antichrist, we're raptured, Antichrist comes on the scene, false prophet, that's the time when people on earth worry. You have nothing to worry about. We're the restrainer. We're the ones, we know, if Antichrist came on the scene, we'd go, I know who that guy is. That's the Antichrist. So the restrainer's taken out. So let me kind of piece it all together. So, the mark of the beast, if it's some kind of brand, tattoo, stamp, something like that, it also makes sense that, that you cannot buy or sell without that brand or mark. There must be some kind of technology that's added to it. And I think my opinion, opinion, is that's where the chip comes into play. It doesn't appear, and I could be so wrong, but it doesn't appear that the mark and the chip are one and the same. The chip is something different, and so you don't even have to worry about, well, I don't let it put a chip in me. Look, whether you do or not, it's not the mark. But the chip makes a lot of sense because the chip will move people, in, obviously in a global economy, the Antichrist can track everything because of that chip. We're gone. Remember that? Say Amen. But we're moving toward, and the chip, guys, just to be honest, that chip, you can't buy with, you can't buy or sell without it, mark, chip, everything. Think about the, the, the logic of it. It moves us towards a cashless society. My kids don't carry cash anymore, do yours? My kids use their debit for everything. I go, you got two bucks? I don't carry cash. What kind of world are we in, you know? You know, they say right now we're in a coin shortage because the pandemic, they haven't been minting. Right? Right? I mean, a lot of you don't even write checks anymore for the offering, and most of it's online now. When we get back to normal, whenever that is, I have you drop your offering at the doors right now because we follow the guidelines. We've already made uh, the boxes now. For those of you who still put in a physical offering, we'll have it at certain places, you just drop your offering in there. We won't even take an offering in the church anymore because most people give online. We're moving towards this idea of a cashless society. And to be honest with you, it makes sense. Has anyone here had their identity stolen? If you have, you know that a chip where nobody can steal your identity possibly like that makes a lot more sense because it's a hassle when they steal your identity. And that's a big deal right now. Either way, however it happens, it's all designed to control commerce. It says you cannot buy or sell. You cannot buy or sell anything. But you do not want to take, if a person that they don't want to receive Christ, just warn them if the rapture happens in our lifetime, their lifetime, don't take the mark. Now, watch what happens if a person takes the mark. In chapter 14 of Revelation 9 through 11 says, Then another angel, a third one, followed them, <clears throat> saying with a loud voice, Watch the warning to the people. The angel, here's an angel sent from God during the tribulation, flying in the mid heaven. He's warning the earth dwellers because God has not given up on people even in the tribulation. If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand. He will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire 
and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up how long? For how long? Forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast and his image, whoever receives the mark of his name. So this angel flies in mid-heaven during the tribulation. Don't take the mark. In other words, those of you who got left behind, who chose not to put your faith in Christ, who thought you had plenty of time, or you thought, come on, there is no God, whatever your thinking was, don't take the mark. Now, someone may think to themselves, oh, easy, I, I just won't take the mark. Really? Oh, really, that's that easy, huh? Well, let's think about it. You can't buy or sell food for your children, not just you. You can't buy a car. You can't sell a car. You can't purchase gasoline. You can't buy a home. You can't sell a home. You can't even rent a building. You can't rent an apartment. You can't go to In-N-Out Burger. You can't go to Miguel's. Oh, pain. Finally, pain. Not the mark, but oh, gosh, that's bad. You can't go to Marshall's. Let me do it. Oh. You can't go to Kohl's or Ross. or You can't go anywhere. Oh, hey, I, I, I think you're speaking in tongues out there. But anyway, you can't go to a doctor. And if you have children, like I said before, and they're starving, mommy, daddy, I'm hungry. You're going to tell me, you're going to say, hey, just suck it up, kid. We're not taking the mark. There's going to be pressure. And not just that pressure. The Antichrist is going to hunt people down. He's going to, remember he says, he causes people. He's not like, well, if you don't want it, okay. No, he's going to hunt people down. He will force them to make a decision. Like in the days of Daniel, when they built the 90-foot statue of gold, they'll be, they'll be forced to make a decision. You take the mark or you die. Look at Revelation 20 and verse 4. S scary verse. Scary verse for those who got left behind. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. We'll get into a thousand year reign in about four weeks. But let me say this here. Who are these people? Who are these beheaded people that now are reigning with Christ? Well, they're the people that didn't take the mark. It's not talking to us. We, we're gone. We're raptured. But people who knew and understood because we warned them and we shared with them. And then the rapture happens. If, like, whatever, whatever generation that's in. They're going to know not to take the mark. And some of them will have the guts to say, nope, I'm, I'm going to die because I'd rather die than spend eternity in hell. And it says, I saw them, they were beheaded. 
Now, you know, he sees people's heads being chopped off. Guys, don't pretend you have seen the images of Christians being beheaded in the Middle East, have you not? Don't pretend. You live in a cruel, vicious world. And the Antichrist will stop at nothing, nothing. Okay, you don't want to take the mark? You don't want to pledge allegiance to me, he says? Then you're going to lose your head. Get on your knees. We got the swords right here. Or maybe it is guillotines all over the place. I don't know. All I know is John said, I saw them beheaded. But now because they refused the mark, they will live and reign with Christ forever because they chose to pledge allegiance to Jesus in the tribulation period. In this tribulation period. But let me go back to something that I really like. Why? Why were they able to say no? Some of them who maybe did not know about these things and now they find themselves in the tribulation because there's an angel flying in mid-heaven over the earth saying, don't take the mark. Don't do it. Because if you do it, you spend eternity in hell. Don't do it. God is still warning them in that time. Why? Because God loves them. Because God loves them. And Jesus paid the price for them on that cross. Even though they've rejected him and rejected him and rejected him and rejected him and rejected him, he still says, come on, don't take the mark. I made the way out for you. Because God still loves them all. And whoever out there is thinking, well, how can a loving God send people to hell? You make an assumption within the question that's incorrect. You assume that God sends people to hell against their will. They go there because they want to go. person that doesn't want Jesus, can you imagine them in heaven during worship? They'd hate it. They would hate it. God doesn't send anyone to hell against their will. They choose to go there. God did everything he could to make a way out. It's a person's choice. And he has an angel flying in mid-heaven warning them, don't take the mark. God isn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Whether you're at home or you're here in this room here, and if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Messiah, I would, um, I would hope that you would consider doing this now. In one month, I'll be a Christian 41 years. I've never regretted it. You say, well, Jim, you know, you weren't... No, I was in everything you are into right now, if not worse. So don't tell me I don't know. And you and I both know it got pretty boring after a while. You needed more and more and more of whatever that is that you're doing and I was doing to reach the same kind of level of thrill. But I'm going to share with you somebody, Jesus Christ, who gives you the ultimate inside filling. Great joy, great peace. I want to introduce you to my Jesus Christ. So if you've never placed your faith in Him, and you'd like to today, I'm so happy for you. Or if you backslid, and you've been playing games with God, really want to play games with God? I wouldn't play games with God. It's time to rededicate your life and settle it now forever. Just settle it. You're going to walk with Christ. It doesn't matter what your friends think, do, or say. 
I remember the night I had to stand up to my friends and say, I don't live that way anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. They couldn't believe it. It was somewhere late August 1979. I said, that's not my life anymore. And I said it. But I had to make my stand. And I never backed off that stand. It's time for you to rededicate your life and walk with God now. So if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life, I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me in faith. I'm going to say it slow and block it out so you can repeat it. If you're at home and you feel uncomfortable with friends or family around you, just say it, whisper it, say it in your head. However you say it, say it. But afterwards, you tell somebody, I said that prayer. Do not keep it to yourself. There are no, we don't want, God doesn't want secret Christians all aloof in your faith. No. So here we go. Repeat after me. In this room, everybody say it within, so the people in this room don't feel uncomfortable either. Here we go. All together. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die in my place. Thank you for giving your life in place of mine. Forgive me of my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. I place my faith in you as my Savior, my only God, my Messiah. Thank you for saving me. Now close your eyes, bow your head, let me pray for you now. God, I just pray for everyone who looked up at me or everyone that said that prayer for the first time or in rededication. I pray for you, friend. Stand up now and live for Jesus. No matter what anybody thinks or says. Now I can guarantee you the enemy is going to start to attack you in your head as if you made some major mistake in giving your life to Christ or he's going to use people around you to go after you to lure you back into old ways. Don't do it. You have the Spirit of God living in you now. The power is there. You're a new creature in Christ. The old things passed away. If your friends go on the offensive against you to go back in the world, you go on the offensive against them to bring them into the kingdom of God. Because the word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce to the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God gets in because it's backed by Jesus. We thank you that all of heaven rejoices over people who repent and come to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, Amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.